Hey everyone, it's Clarissa here from the Thriving Through Menopause podcast. You know, as I talk to women around the world, I know that more than ever, we're looking for holistic ways to manage our menopause and to feel empowered that we're in control of our own health and healing during this vital life transition. I sit down each week with amazing guests to talk about ideas, strategies, approaches, and opportunities to help us thrive through menopause. Episodes drop every Tuesday, so I hope that you'll join us. And I have a little request for you, that if you find value from the stories, lessons, and wisdom that we share, I'd like you to support this podcast. One way you can do that is to hop on to wherever you listen to podcasts and like and subscribe and share it so that others can hear the messages too. You might want to buy me a coffee to help me keep this podcast up and running. And I'd love you to subscribe to my newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Don't forget, episodes drop every Tuesday and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being part of this community, listening to this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the new content that's coming up in this new season. Welcome to this episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I am so excited to do this interview. I have a wonderful guest on my show today, and I can't wait to introduce her to you because we're going to be talking about things like courage and guts and living the best life. And I want to introduce you to Sherry Clark. Welcome, Sherry, to the show. Oh, thank you. It's a joy to be here. Yeah. So before we dive in and talk about living our best lives, which is just about what I think we are about as women, especially midlife women, let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. You are a midlife courage coach. You're a TV show host, you've been a speaker, an author, and you are all about a practice or a, or a coaching consultancy business that is about Fork in the Road. And that's the name of your business, isn't it? Fork in the Road. It is. Yes. 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 I really, really love that. Yes. So really you're about the best quote I heard. It takes guts to live the second half of your life when you've lived most of your life for others, for other people. Yes. Amen. That's my motto. (laughs) You know, my question is, why does it take guts or courage when we should just know that living your best life is what it's about? You know, that's a great question. And I think the the main thing is, and the reason why I think it takes courage to live for you is because we've gotten so accustomed to it being another way. Um, there are so many expectations placed upon us really from the time that we're small little girls, um, that girls act a certain way. We're interested in particular things. Our skills lie in a particular area. They don't lie in another area. And if we buy into that, then clearly we end up um, down a path that is someone else's path. And it's the thing is, it's been that way a long time and it doesn't feel like it's been updated lately. You know, I mean, we even get 
you, uh, like even my computer asks me, do you want to install the updates? And it feels like we've never been able to install the updates on lives of women. No, and I agree with that. I think what we have is lots of messaging, but the reality, the, the, the gap between what we're being told or promised and what women's lives still look like is just as big as it ever was. I'd actually say, and you might agree with me, I think it's actually bigger than our mother's or grandmother's generation. Well, I agree, particularly because so many of us who are what we would call midlife now, our sandwich generation, um, our elders, our parents uh, require care in many instances. And it often, for better or for worse, falls upon the woman, sometimes not even your own parents. If you're in a spousal relationship, um, a union, then oftentimes it's your spouse's parents that you're caretaking um, and then if you've had children, there is still, you know, I, adult children still are children. <laughs> they still are our offspring, our kids. They still require some care. And so I do think that there are many demands on us because we're all living longer. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've bought into this do it all, be it all, have it all, sometimes all at once. And and I see women now, as you said, we've got lots of caring duties, we're working full time and and we're experiencing, as I'm sure you have too, the burden that women have in the workplace, that we have a lot of non-promotable work, we seem to be picking up all the mentoring and caring for our employees. Ah, hello, here we are doing the same as we do for our families and our workplaces. Men aren't doing that. Right, exactly. So that's why <laughs> perfect. This whole discussion comes back to my saying: it takes guts to live the second half of your life for you when you live the first half for everybody else. Yeah. And and something changes in our brain for sure. In midlife, we start yeah. going, no, sorry. And then, of course, we're seen as difficult. So you're so right, aren't you? We need courage to fulfill what seems like the right thing we want to be this wiser older woman who stands up for ourselves lives for our life but we're still carrying a lot of baggage exactly yep and so to change that narrative that's where the guts comes in for you to be able to say i know that for the last x number of years i have done this and that and i need to step back and not do that any longer and if we don't what are the consequences of us not doing that? Well, um, I think it depends on how what what the particulars are of the situation that we're talking about. Certainly, there are risks with regard to our own health. Um, there have been studies done about, for example, incidents of cancer and specific kinds of cancer. Um, there are studies that have been done, and they're not. It's not. Uh, it's mainstream studies. It's not some alternative, you know, uh, esoteric type of thing where women who are in caregiving roles extensively ha have high incidence of breast and ovarian cancer. It's the women's disease. It's our, our women parts that are, um, that are paying the price in many cases. There's a mental health, um, 
a thing that, you know, the incidence of alcoholism, depression, those sorts of things. When you feel like you're trapped, there's no way out. Um, I'm, everybody's depending on me. I don't have a choice. I'm backed into this position. It's not a role I can step away from or quit or resign or uh, uh, delegate to my assistant. It's all on me. So when we have those feelings, yes, there are going to be tolls and prices that we pay. And um, those are obviously high level ones. Then there are the little ones, um, the day to day things. If you, let's say you don't get sick or you don't end up having to take medication to manage your anxiety and depression, um, you might feel just unhappy every day. The resentment, understandable resentment, uh, um, justifiable resentment for feeling like, hey, why am I the only one here carrying the water? Um, and, and that makes us cranky and that makes us not fun to be around. And that's obviously a toll as yeah. well. So we, we lose that kind of vibrancy that is a natural right, don't we? That sort of, I'm here, I'm alive. Life can be fantastic. Instead, we're a bit like, hmm, we become that maiden art that nobody wants to sit next to at Thanksgiving. Exactly. <laughs> yes, a curmudgeon. Yeah. You know, who wants that? Oh, yeah, we don't want to be that person. And I think there are no women who want to be that. But we because resentment right. is, you know, something that gets trapped in our body. Yeah, and it's ugly. Yeah. So Very, let's don't do no, that. No, let's not do that. But, you know, why, you know, women get trapped in there because of societal reasons. But some of the common mistakes that women make that allow them to keep being trapped in that, because some of that's on us as well, isn't it, Jane? You know, it is. And part of it, and that's, I think that's where the courage part comes in. It's the courage to step up and to break that pattern. Um, it, as, I, as I've alluded to, you know, when you've done something for X number of years, to finally be able to say no. And I think, I think the, the other thing is that sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking um, of things as being black and white and that either everything is on me and everybody's depending on me and I'm doing it all and spinning all the plates or that's it. I'm done. I quit. No more. And I'm here to say there is a long continuum of many shades of gray where, and I think it's misguided. I don't think it's fair to the people that you are, that are in your orbit for you to suddenly say, you know, I'm, I'm putting my flag down here. I'm drawing a line in the sand. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> it's over. I think it's kinder to everyone and a little bit easier to navigate if you say things need to change um, and here's what I'm seeing as a possibility, what are you seeing? So it becomes a, a process of navigation and, um, and negotiation. And if we view it that way, it feels less scary yeah. for not only us, but for the people around us, yeah. they're less yeah. likely to go, wait a minute, what are you, th what are you saying? How is this going to work? I depended on you for this. I think it becomes a matter of finding the courage to step up and say, I need help. I can't do this the way that it's been happening. I need you. I need to be yeah. able to yeah. believe that you're there, Absolutely. that you love me enough. Yeah. If it's a love relationship, 
to lend me a hand. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Sometimes women just reach a kind of a cracking point, don't they? And they kind of go, I'm going to clear everything else. I'm going to burn the house down. I'm going to leave my partners. And I think there is a lot of that that happens in midlife, which is definitely coming from these pent-up feelings of frustration, not being able to move forward. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't need to be that way. Sometimes it does need to be that way. I will say that if you're in a situation where it becomes intolerable, if there's abuse, if your safety is um, is a concern of yours, then yes, then we're, then I'm not talking about, you know, doing it lightly and pussy putting around, certainly not. But, um, in that case, then you are justified to take drastic measures, but we're talking about the more everyday type of thing. Yes. And I think it is, it is this everyday and it's sort of, it's not just one big incident. It doesn't it new experience build up, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And we're looking back and thinking, well, I didn't have the career I wanted. I didn't uh, get right. to do things I wanted to do. I've been doing all these things. No one's grateful. Yes. And let's not have that happen. Because if you're listening now, you're probably at a point where you can change the trajectory. You can um, and move the needle. You can do whatever analogy you want, but, but making sometimes even small adjustments can have a big impact on you, your health, your well-being, your attitude, and, and potentially even, here's a maverick idea, might even be good for the people around you because shifting that, those responsibilities, those roles, those duties could end up having actually a ripple effect in a positive way. So let's don't discount that. Um, Because many times I find women who will say to me, oh, that's so selfish. And I I bristle. (laughs) (laughs) I get a little prickly when I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we've defined things that are for us, haven't we, Um, as being selfish, and they're not. Right. Exactly. Absolutely not selfish. And it's, it's the thing closer that allows us to show up as our best selves. You mentioned it earlier when you said, um, you know, that we want to be vibrant and alive and engaged and excited and all of those things in our lives that you know what that feels like when you get out of bed in the morning before the alarm clock, because you're so excited to tackle your day or when you arrive at something early because you just, you're like, can't wait for it to start. We have those moments in our lives, but when they're eclipsed by those moments that are not, the the times that you're like, oh my gosh, isn't it time for this day to be over? Then we're not living our fullest lives and living up to our potential. And we know it. Nobody needs to tell us. You can, you know yourself, you don't need to have a, a diagnosis or uh, or be told by a, a psychiatrist, you know, that something has to give, you know. So if we could just heed that inner guidance system, that GPS that we have in ourselves, how fabulous would that Absolutely. be? Absolutely. And we are also, I think, very tired. And how do, you, do you see a lot of women who are very tired so that this feels like a mountain to step over? 
Yeah, when you slog through, and particularly since when we were talking about the toll that this responsibility takes, and, you know, and I I was saying, you know, the mental illness and those kinds of things, in some cases, we seek escape from our lives when we are, when so much is expected from us. And that escape can take the form of overindulgence in alcohol, overconsumption of food, eating too much sugar, staying up too late, binge watching things that don't serve us. And then when you add all of those things into the equation, being tired, having anxiety or, or the, the feeling that you have after too much food, too much alcohol, too much of those things. And then you can't perform to your peak performance it's, it's one more brick on the load, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, um, and, you know, maybe we need to change this conversation even to say, we've identified the problem. We all know yeah, it. Yeah. Like I've said, yeah. you know, if you're in that position and you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're speaking my language. Well, there are things that you can do. You, you don't have to stay hemmed in and penned in and jailed into this prison because it's a prison, it's a jail, and you are the warden. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. yeah, that's the other side is we can come out of this prison. I mean, one of the things yes. I would ask you is you work with women who obviously make faster or slower progress. What is it about the women that make the fastest leaps forward? Uh, what is it about their makeup, their mental attitude, their belief systems that allow that to happen in your experience? Sure. Great question. So the so I do work with so that everybody has a kind of a picture of it. I work with women in midlife, and I define women midlife as any point in your mid forties where you deem yourself midlife, and because I think it's a self. Uh, that's a diagnosis. You'll just, you can diagnose yourself as being midlife, but, but I don't think there's an end to midlife. I don't think then it goes until 64 and 11 months. And then at 65, you become elderly or a senior. I don't like those terms. Um, I'm actually, I would be, I would qualify for that if I did use that terminology because I myself am 67 years old. And so I think that midlife goes until you decide you get, give yourself another label and I'm not a big label person. So, so there's that. The women who I work with, who I know when they come to me are going to have some success are the ones that come and they have a degree of humility, a degree of humbleness. They'll say, what I'm doing now isn't working and I'm willing to try something else. Yeah. And that they are that there's they're not coming looking for um, a fix or someone else to to give them the the solution that they're willing to look at themselves and say here's how I set this scenario up or how I had a hand in setting this up and will accept responsibility for having had a role in that so in other words they don't view themselves as victims. Um, and they may have been victimized or traumatized or been mm. the object of some sort of abuse. I don't dispute or deny that, but that attitude doesn't serve us once we decide it's time to change. So it's being able to say, I am a going from being a survivor to being a thriver yeah. and I'm on my way to that. So there's, that's probably the very first place is coming to it 
with an with an attitude of openness, yes. a willingness to try yes. different things and new things. Yes. Also a willingness to self-reflect, mm-hmm. to, to be able to feel comfortable in quiet and yes. silence yes. and and to not have to fill every moment with distraction, <laughs> um, yeah. digital distraction, scrolling comparison with our, of our lives with other lives, but to be able to, for example, journal. And when I say journal, I know that there are some people out there that'll go goody, goody, goody. I love to journal. I love to write. I've kept a diary since I was a little girl, but then there are those that don't. And so there are other ways of journaling and journaling could be just bullet points. One of the ways that I journal is I will sometimes paint. Ah, yes. I just paint in watercolors mm-hmm. in a in a bound oh, book yeah. and I will paint my feelings. So if you look at one of my journal pages and you see a lot of black, you can probably predict it's not a great day. I <laughs> and I actually love that you mentioned that because art journaling is a whole world on its own, but it's beautiful. And and in saying to my listeners, if anyone's out there and you're a bit like I was at times. I was a bit reluctant with writing, but I've got over that. But I did a beautiful course way back in Sydney with somebody with art journaling, and it was so much fun and so expressive. It's great. It's cathartic. Mm. And if you live with others, I know sometimes I'll ask, uh, I'll task my women, say, I want you to journal about something. And they're like, I don't live alone. And if anybody found my words, I I would be humiliated or I would be at risk or I would whatever. And I say, but if you paint your words, it's as if you're writing in another language. And no one could find that and decipher it unless you make it so blindingly <laughs> obvious. And so, but you know, you know, when you look at it, it brings it all back. And so that's the solution. It's like, you don't have to learn another language or write in shorthand or do a, do other things. And another medium, if people say, well, I don't even feel comfortable painting. I, I'm so not artistic. Collage is another area that I, um, I also enjoy or blending the two, um, painting and collage or sketching or any of those kinds of things. It's an outlet. The thing is, I'm looking for a way to let you get that feeling out without it potentially coming back and flying in your face, without it being destructive. Because sometimes we bottle things up so much inside and then we're angry and we blow and we Mm -hmm. say things and you can't unring that bell. If you say something regrettable. (laughs) You have to hold that. You've said it. It's live. It's out there. Yeah. And that can be tough. But I was going to say, there is a secret. I was going to share with you. There's a secret language and the listeners can, you know, pick up on this one too, that women in China used to write secret letters in a secret language to each other so they could express their feelings. And nobody but women knew that language. And I thought, well, that journaling like that would be so cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be amazing. Exactly. Yes. And it, and it would, what that reminds me of is sorority or sisterhood. It's, it's, the, it's the thing we have in common, regardless of our our race, our ethnicity, our religious background, one common denominator, no matter where we live in this messed up world right now, all being women, all being, every one of us is a daughter. You know, we've got so much in common. Yeah, very true. So getting our words out. And an important concept I know you work with is self-love. 
why is self-love so important as a cornerstone of being able to you know live our best life love of self is what makes the things that we call self-care possible and when i say self-care i'm as much as i love a bubble bath and a mani pedi as much as any other woman that's not the kind of self-care and self-love that i'm talking about i'm talking about loving yourself enough to be able to say yes to a fabulous opportunity, even if it means rearranging some other things, or no to something that you're asked or called upon to do that isn't in alignment with your values or your goals or what it is that you want for yourself. I'm not talking about every moment. Every one of us, me included, sometimes says yes when I would prefer to say no, but it feels as though it's the right thing to do. And I put right thing to do in yes. air quotes. Yes. It might be a friend who's in need. And I had I had a good plan to, I was going to read a book on Friday night <laughs> and stay home in front of the fire. And it sounded so lovely, but she needs to talk to someone. Yes, I will be there. She was probably there for me or will be when I need her. I'm not talking about being selfish, but self-care and self-love is something that if we've forgotten how to do it, we can relearn. And it's what makes those other things possible. It's what make it's what gives you the strength to keep going when you've had a setback. What's, it's the thing that gives you the confidence and the courage to move forward when somebody has said to said to you in either in direct words or in their actions, you're not good enough, or who do you think you are? Or I'm sorry, this isn't for you. It's the thing that lets you say either, okay, I'll show you you're wrong, or that lets you say, then I'm going to do or get something better. Yeah. And that's sometimes hard to cultivate because we're so used to having gone without it, yeah. but it is cultivatable. And so I'm sure people are thinking, well, how do you do that? And one of the ways is exactly what you were talking about, that secret language among women. We don't have to talk in a secret language. We can stand in solidarity with one another. Find a, a woman who you trust and who will have your back, who doesn't help you, doesn't feel like they have to fix you or have the answers, who will simply provide a receptacle for you to place your feelings without judgment. Oh, yes, yes. That might be your best friend. It might be your your actual blood sister. It could be someone you barely know, a therapist, a coach, but find a confidant. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be female. We can find that in male and yes. males as well. I, I'm not trying to be sexist here. I find that most of my support comes from other women. That might not be the case for you. You may have a brother that you feel very close to. That's fine. But finding someone else. And the key, I think, is that they're non-judging and that they don't have a horse in your race, yeah. meaning that you, if you say, I want this for myself and it will affect them in some way that they don't try to hold you back because they don't want what the effect will be on their no, lives. No, get that. And yeah. that's key. That's really, really key. So, I mean, you so beautifully described their self-love, this, this sort of deep, I think almost respect for yourself and seeing yourself 
I have the right for this. You know, I have my place to stand here. Yes. And that can come from those activities like we've talked about, the self-reflection, the journaling, the being able to process our thoughts. Because what I think what happens is we, we certainly have those thoughts and we have those feelings and we stuff them down either with those things that we've talked about, overindulgence in something or another, or we, it pops up and we push it away. We, we get rid of it. And when we can sit with ourselves and come full circle, that's what I love about journaling. I'll start writing. And frankly, sometimes my journaling starts out as bitching. <laughs> Sometimes it's complaining. I'll I'll just spout off about a, something heinous somebody did to me or said to me or something that happened that's not fair or that just yeah. pissed me yeah. off. And I will follow it through, write about it, get all that out in a non it's a it's a non-toxic environment. I'm not hurting myself mm -hmm. or anybody else. And then I can come back and be a little softer and say you know, now that I've gotten that out, one of the ways if I had a do-over next time I would say, or I would do, or I would whatever. And that's how I grow exactly. because the next time when it does happen, I've already processed it and I can reach yeah. into my bag of, of skills and tricks and tips mm -hmm. and say, you know, this time is going to be different. This time I'm going to have a different response. Yeah. That's so true. That is so beautiful. So if the listeners are tuning in and are thinking, okay, this all makes really good sense to me, which it, which it kind of, I think, intuitively does to nearly all of us, what is a baby step that they could take today if they want to be able to live their best life that they could implement? My favorite baby step is to reconnect with yourself. And this is also a self-love and self-care tip. And the way that you can do that, and you can do it actually right this moment along with me. So what I'm going to suggest you do, unless you're driving, is to close your eyes and settle in and feel your body and be aware of where you are in space Get a sense for your, if you're seated, your sit bones on the chair or the sofa or whatever it is that you're positioned on. Feel your arms, whether they're resting on an armrest or down at your sides. Be conscious of your breathing and of just the sensations around you. Maybe there are other senses. Maybe there are sounds that you can hear or a smell in the air. Maybe you feel the fabric of the chair. Just be in your body for a moment. And when you're connected to yourself, the next thing I'd like you to do is to take your right hand and place it over your heart. Then take your left hand and place it on top of your right. So your hands are over your heart centered, heart center, and then quietly or aloud, ask yourself and your heart, what do we want? What do we really, really want? And an answer will come. The answer might come immediately. The answer might be one word. It could be a sentence. The answer might be a sensation 
It might be this, the feeling of tears welling in your eyes. That's an answer too. Even if the answer isn't abundantly clear, you've opened the door to conversation with yourself and with your heart. An alternate way of asking the question, if what do you want didn't bring anything forth, would be to change it slightly and to say, what do we need? Which may yield a different answer. And that, Clarissa, is the very beginning of having a conversation with the most important person in your world, and that is you. Beautiful. That was beautiful. That's And that's we've all got that minute or so, haven't we, to drop in and do that whenever we need it. Exactly. That is fantastic. Sherry, this has been a little whistle-top tour through, you know, finding ourselves and finding the courage really to to move forward in our lives because that's our birthright. How can people, Sherry, get in touch with you to learn more about the work that you do? I will invite you to just visit my website, which is www.fork-road.com. That's F-O-R-K hyphen road, R-O-A-D.com. Um, Fork in the Road is uh, is my website and my practice, and that would be the best place to find that me. That is fantastic. We are going to put that in the show notes. And I'm going to encourage you, the listeners, you know, guys, do this beautiful practice because I don't know about you, but that felt so good. So, yes. Thank you so much, Sherry, for this conversation and the wisdom and guidance for us to get started on this path. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wow, wasn't that a fantastic episode with Cherie? I had goosebumps listening to all her advice around courage and self-love. Next week, I can't wait for us to have a pretty controversial conversation about testosterone, something we have never talked about on the show, lots of contention in the scientific world, and I'm joined by Dr. Angela DeRosa, and it's going to be a cracker. So join us next week on Thriving Through Menopause. And if you want to learn more about the work I do, then do jump onto my website, clarissachristiansen.com and get in touch. Find out what programs I have, what free resources I have, or book a discovery call with me to learn more about how I can help you to thrive through menopause. Until next time, go well.